Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Now, Joseph tells the dream you know, Joseph tells the dream. I, I, to me, the second dream, it, it, I can't help but think about, you know, Fiddler on the Roof. Tell, Tevye tells his dream to Golda, you know, and he starts out by, by saying, only don't be frightened, you know. <laughs> and so we can see him. He gets all the brothers, tries to get all the brothers around him, and, and that, that's the verse 9, you know. Behold, you know, don't be frightened. Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the star, 11 stars made obeisance to me. Now, a couple questions for you. Why did the brothers have no trouble interpreting the second dream? That's an obvious question. Obvious answer, I should say. Why did the brothers have no trouble interpreting the second dream? Because of the first. Because of the first dream. So that shows us the first dream was necessary in order to, for them to understand the meaning of the second dream. Now, how were the brothers represented in the second dream? By what? The stars. Okay. Was Joseph's mother and father represented in the first dream? No. No. It was, no. It was just the brothers. Okay. Was Joseph's mother and father represented in the second dream? Okay, yes. Or maybe we should say maybe. <laughs> okay. How were Joseph's and mother's maybe Joseph's father and mother, maybe, represented in the second dream as what? As sign of the moon. Who was the sun and who was the moon? <laughs> in a Jewish family, that depends on who you ask. <laughs> if you ask Jacob, he would say he was the sun and the wife was the moon. If you ask Jacob's wife, she would say she was the sun and he was the moon. Okay, never mind. Okay, now, <laughs> couldn't resist that. The first dream meant that Joseph was going to be superior over his brothers. But the second dream meant that Joseph was going to be superior over the whole family or over the whole people of Israel, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. When it says in Matthew 2, 6, Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. And it goes along, of course, that, that's for Israel. And then as far as everybody goes, Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And Colossians 1.18, Colossians 1.18, he's the head 
of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, or literally be first. Okay, so now, in verse 9, he tells his dream to his brothers, which is that, that's the same thing he did in his first dream, because that dream only involved his brothers. But now the second dream involves the father. So we see in, in verse 10, he told it to his father. So first he tells his brethren, then he told his father, and to his brethren, and his father rebukes him and said unto him, what's this dream thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come down to bow down before you? All right, so he tells his, his father, and this is another, oh, no. Now comes the trouble, because now his father, who was his only advocate, is now going to turn on him and give him a strong rebuke. And the rebuke is that the father blames Joseph for the dream. I mean, he, and he says, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? And so, he's, so Jacob is angry with Joseph for dreaming the dream. I mean, Joseph, poor Joseph, he's not responsible for the dreams. I mean, God made Joseph dream the dreams, but nowhere does it say that. Nowhere did Joseph say anything about God. Nowhere did anybody say anything about God. This was just Joseph's dreams. Isn't it amazing that not, not even his father even considered Maybe this is from God. Maybe this comes from God. Nobody does that. And the, now, the dreams involve both his father and his mother. So does verse 10 say that Joseph told both his father and his mother? It doesn't, does it? Conspicuous by the absence is the mother, just the father. Okay. Why didn't Joseph tell his mother also? She was dead. How do you know she was dead? How can you be sure she was dead? I'll give you a hint. It has to do with the number of stars. How many stars were there? Eleven. Who was the eleventh star? Benjamin. What happened to what happened to Joseph's mother at Benjamin's birth? She died. She died. So Rachel is dead. Okay, so we've established that Rachel is dead. Now, Jacob is so angry with Joseph's dream, he thinks it's absurd. And so therefore he asks the question. Shall I and thy mother and thy brother bow down ourselves to the earth? See, what Jacob was saying was that Joseph's dream was impossible because Rachel had already died. So how could she bow down to the earth when she's no longer on the earth? So, and, and what's conspicuous in how Joseph answers these questions of his father in the next verse is that there is no answer. there's no answer he doesn't say anything a lot of people would be smart if they didn't give an answer but he was smart okay so this leaves us with the question or rather with the picture of joseph here he's just standing there all alone and he's looking at the hatred on the faces of the brothers he's looking at the anger on the face of his father and he's just standing there silent as if to say i don't know it's, my, it's just a dream. It was the dream. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to back down from it. I'm not going to try to interpret it. I'm, not, I'm just telling you what I saw in my dreams. Now, that's a beautiful picture for us because that's exactly how we should respond to those who, who say, well, I can't, you know, to those who ask a question about the Bible that we can't explain. We just say with Joseph, it's what the Word of God says. I'm not going to try to explain it, to interpret it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. My explanation is, it's written. 
And what's interesting here is that Joseph never says that his dreams are from God. He just reports the dreams. Probably Joseph didn't realize that that his, his dreams were from God. I mean, little Samuel didn't when he was in the temple, and, and, and God called to him in 1 Samuel 3, 4. 1 Samuel 3, 4, the Lord called Samuel. He answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. He went, lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here am I. Now just call me. He answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now, as they left Joseph, we see the conclusion that each person came to, that each person had drawn from Joseph's dreams in verse 11. In verse 11. His, there's, here's the conclusion. His brethren envied him. But his father observed the same. See, his brothers envied him. They're probably, they, they, they didn't really have to say anything as the scowls on their face sort of told the story, you know. But his father, he has a totally different reaction compared to the brothers. Here's what the brothers did. Their brothers just said, ah, they dismissed the dreams and they put them out of their mind. Sooner I forget them, the better but not Jacob. It says Jacob, his father, observed the saying. That's a great word in Hebrew. That's the word shamar, which means to keep, hold, guard, you know, and the, you know, whenever we leave Takati, you know, John and, I is, John and I always joke with the driver. We say, keep the fort, you know, <laughs> hold it down. Anyway, that's a shamar. In the synagogue, the usher in the synagogue is called the shamas that, that comes from shamar, People would ask me, they would always challenge me, Thomas, that's not a Hebrew name. What's your Hebrew name? And I said, oh, but it is. It's Thomas the Shamus, I'd say. <laughs> anyway, the word shamar means to keep. It means to guard. Don't let go of. So Jacob did not just pass off as nothing Joseph's dreams. He shamar. He, he, he held on to them. He thought about the dreams. I mean, it, what, what this means is that Joseph's dream found home in Jacob's heart. Joseph's dreams found a deep residence in Jacob's heart. Outwardly, outwardly, it appeared as though Jacob had no use for his dreams either. But he guarded them. He kept them in his heart. And when we see a picture here of this, he doesn't understand, but he holds on to them. That's the picture of Jacob there. That's Mary. That's Mary. When the shepherds came to her, and says in Luke 2, 9, 2, 9, Luke 2, 9, Lo, the angel of the Lord appeared, came upon them. You know, the great Christmas part. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Just think about the shepherds as, with their hearing. A Savior, which is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, God. A Savior, a Messiah, who's God? And this shall be the sign unto you. You go and you find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. 
And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. They found Mary, Joseph, babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, they told everybody, the saying which was told them concerning the child. Now here's a couple of responses. This is the brethren first. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is written in Greek, so we don't have the word shamar. But it's the same concept. She kept them. She thought about them. She thought about them. The shepherds told everyone what they saw. They saw, look, we saw angels. And, and they told us there was going to be the birth of the Savior, the, the Messiah. He's God. And then we heard glory to God. And, and so what everybody did is they just wondered. I wonder what they're talking about. Maybe they've been out in the sun too long or something like that. <laughs> but they didn't deeply consider it just, okay, well, you know, it was, you, it was a big thing that happened, but they forgot him, but not Mary. Mary, it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. In verse 19 of Luke 2, Luke two nineteen. but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her hearts. What the shepherds said to Mary left a lasting impression on her. That's the picture of Shamar, which is what Jacob did with Joseph's dreams. And, that, and, you, and we get that in Luke 2.19 with the word but, same as in, uh, here in, in uh, Genesis 37. So Mary, he, she didn't just let them slip away. She was not going to lose the value of what she heard. I mean, can't you imagine the majority of the people is the shepherds saying, you know, hey, you know, that was, after the shepherds left, the people say, hey, that was great. How thrilling. Wow. Right out of scriptures, fulfilled prophecy. What a day. I'm so glad that I heard all about it. And they just go on with their lives. Just forget about it. Daniel is said to have Shamar guarded in his heart in Daniel 7.28, when it says in Daniel 7.28, hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept, Shamar, I kept the matter in my heart. So what God showed to Daniel, it just, his, his cogitations troubled him. We don't speak that way to each other. You know, how are you today? My cogitations much troubled me. <laughs> but it just means that Daniel, you didn't just dismiss it. He kept the matter in his heart. And then there was the time when the Lord Jesus was, was a boy of 12. He gets separated from his parents. He goes into the temple. He's disputing with the rabbis. Nobody knows where he is. His mother finds him, and she rebukes him. And then he's surprised. He turns to her in Luke 2.49, Luke 2.49. He said unto them, how is it that you, you sought me? Was she not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto him. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Again, you know, Mary, she just could have forgotten about what the Lord said when he said, you know, I must be about my father's business. But she kept thinking about it. My father? He wasn't doing carpentry work. You know, there, my father's business. I must be about my father's business. So this is the same concept. They didn't understand it, but they kept thinking about it. And Joseph's dreams, they're like the word of God. And only one person, Jacob, keeps them in his heart. And so the question is, are we going to be like Jacob and guard 
and, and keep what God gives us, you know, in church. You know, in church, you know, right outside the door there, there, there five steps, there's like assailants out there. You know, assailants, you're supposed to guard, keep. You know, what are the assailants? Hey, what time's the football game start? You know, we got to leave home. We got to see it on TV. Hey, we got to get to the barbecue. We got to get the barbecue going. You know, we got a party, big party coming. Let's get moving. Hey, kids, you got your sports uniforms? Come on, we got a big game today. And, and all that robs or assails a person from keeping what was received in church. When the word of God is not guarded in the heart, then the devil gets fat. He gets fat. Why does he get fat? Because it says in Matthew 13, 19, Matthew 13, 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So nothing wrong with football games, nothing wrong with parties and sports, but this is why God calls us to do a little fasting on Sundays so that we, don't, we, we can keep and guard what we've got. He says in Isaiah 58, 13, Isaiah 58, 13, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, holy of the Lord, honorable, thou shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor speaking thine own, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I'll cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. See, when the brothers just dismissed out of their mind Joseph's dreams, they remembered them later when they found out that the prime minister of Egypt that they were bowing to was Joseph. You know, and, and we bring the gospel to the lost. We bring the gospel to the lost, and if a lost soul just dismisses it and dies in his sin, he'll remember the day when we told him that Jesus was Lord, only, and as he bows to Jesus, only then it'll be too late. And, and, but, but not for John Stessinger. You remember John Stessinger's? Oh, that's great. You know, there he, was, there he writes the book, a famous author, he writes the book from Holocaust to Harvard. You know, Henry Kissinger, remember, he writes, writes the foreword. And then, and now he's sick in Encinitas. Brent goes and visits him, goes to the, presents the gospel to him in the, before he goes into hospice. And John says, what can I do? And then he leads him to the Lord. That's wonderful. So now I told you, he's got to write the book now, from Holocaust to Harvard to hospice to heaven. <laughs> All right. Now, so when the brothers, they heard Joseph tell his dreams, and they, they didn't realize this is a very important day for them. This is a very important day. And, you know, it, it, they just soon didn't realize that. You know, when we bring the gospel to people, that's a very important day. That's a very important day. This last week I had lunch with a dear couple um, that do not know the Lord. And after lunch, uh, you know, we sat there and I explained the gospel to them. As the woman said, she didn't believe in God. I explained the gospel to them and then I told them, I've got to tell you something. Right now, today, this is one of the most important days in your eternity. Not life, but you, I didn't say life on earth. In your eternity. Because what, what we talked about, about how you can become a friend of God's. See? Now, what's encouraging for us is to see Jacob, I mean Jacob, secretly observe, guard, keep Joseph's words. And as far as Joseph was concerned, he couldn't tell. He couldn't tell that Jacob was doing that. It looked like Jacob was just 
angry with him, with Joseph for telling him, but something unseen is going on inside of Jacob. Couldn't see it, but something was happening, and Joseph couldn't see it. All Joseph could see was just this outward response of Jacob, which was just strong rebuke in verse 10. But when it says that Jacob observed the saying in verse 11, it means something was bothering Jacob. Something was bothering Jacob Okay, about this whole incident. This thing just wasn't adding up. It wasn't making sense to him. Because the brothers, you know what they were thinking? They're thinking, ah, Joseph. Here he is. He's trying to get the, the rule over. He's trying to get the upper hand over us. So they justified writing off Joseph's dreams by concluding that the dreams came from Joseph's pride and it came from Joseph's ambition to rise over them. And that's how the brothers were able to just dismiss any validity in Joseph's dreams. So therefore, the brothers, they didn't guard them. They didn't keep them. They, they, they didn't ponder them in their hearts, the dreams. On the other hand, for Jacob, there was just one problem with that logic, with the conclusion of the brothers. And the, the, because the problem is the conclusion of the brothers that it, Joseph was proud and ambitious, that was a problem for Jacob. Why? Because he knew Joseph was not proud. And he knew Joseph was not ambitious. So Jacob could not use the same justification. He could not just dismiss the dreams as meaningless because Jacob couldn't, because he knew Joseph. And he knew Joseph was not proud and ambitious. Now, Jacob could not understand Joseph's dreams especially the part about the moon as Rachel bowing down to Joseph because Rachel has died. I mean, Jacob's thinking goes like this. I don't understand these dreams. I don't understand them. I mean, can you imagine how outlandish these dreams sounded to Jacob? I mean, Jacob is hearing about sheaves standing up and then and coming over, walking over, like I said, spooky, and then bowing down, you know, and then can you imagine he's hearing about sun, moon, stars bowing down to Joseph? I mean, that's pretty much out there, you know. So Jacob, he just did not understand them. So he said, I don't understand the dreams. It doesn't make sense that the dreams are just from Joseph's proud, ambitious heart because Joseph is not proud and ambitious. I don't understand, but I can't get these dreams out of my mind. I can't get him out of my mind. Maybe the moon in Joseph's dreams doesn't represent Rachel. I don't know. He never said it did. Joseph, I said it, you know. Joseph's mother, he never said the moon represented the mother. I don't understand. And therefore, I just can't get these dreams out of my mind. I mean, how could it be possible, he's thinking? How could it be possible for our whole family to bow down to Joseph? I don't understand. But I just can't get these dreams out of my mind. All of that, I don't understand, and I can't get these dreams out of my mind, is what is meant in verse 11, but his father observed the same. (music) 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.